You know the noise the intercom makes when it comes on? The crackle you hear a second before the principal starts to talk? You can hear that noise a hundred times, and you know just from the crackle, you don't have to pay attention. But then, the one time you do have to pay attention, the noise sounds different. The crackle sounds different. It sends a chill through you, and you know the principal's going to say your name. It's like that creepy old saying, Ask not for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Except instead of a bell, you've got that crackle. It was the middle of second period when the intercom crackled, and the announcement came. I was in science class, converting Fahrenheit degrees to Celsius. Here's what Principal Salvatore said. Will the following students please report to the guidance counselor's office? Lonnie Fine, Eric Haft, Beverly Siegel, Julian Tversky, Howard Wurzberg, Shlomo Zisner. That's the entire 34th Avenue gang, minus Quentin, who'd gone into the hospital over the weekend. Plus Beverly, who lives on the block and who hangs around with us sometimes. It didn't take a genius to know that something was going on with Quentin. As soon as Beverly and I stood up, the class began to hoot, like the two of us had gotten in trouble. My heart thumped up into my throat, and my face went hot and then cold. I thought Quentin was dead. Look, he's gonna bawl, a guy two rows to the side of me said. At that point, I couldn't have cared less what he thought, what anyone thought. I left my books on my desk and rushed out the door. Beverly was a couple of steps behind me. Once we were out in the hall, she ran to catch up and said, He's going to be okay, isn't he? I was afraid if I answered her, I would bawl. So I just kept walking. Julian, she said. The way she said my name made me mad. You think I know more than you do? What I knew, what the entire block knew, was that Quentin was sick. Not just cold and flu season sick. It was the third time in the last three months he'd gone to the hospital to get checked out. Beverly knew that as well as I did. She'd been there the first time when he got dizzy tossing around a football. She'd been there the second time when he threw up after a half hour of wolf tag. And then the third time over the past weekend when he sat down on the sidewalk for no reason and his eyes rolled back in his head. She grabbed my shoulder, and for a split second, we stopped and looked at one another. Then the two of us started running toward the stairwell. Her long brown hair was flying out behind her as we hit the stairs. It looked like a comet tail as I trailed a step behind her. The entire time I could hear my heartbeat. Not just feel it, I could hear it. It had gone from my chest to my throat, and now it was in my ears. The guidance counselor's office was at the far end of the first floor, next to Principal Salvatore's office. It took us about a minute to run down the two flights of stairs and across the entire first floor, but that was a long minute. The guidance counselor, Miss Medina, was standing in the hall outside her office, leaning against the door. The hall was deserted, so we saw her as soon as we turned the corner, but she would have been easy to spot even in a crowd. She's almost six feet tall and has curly blonde hair that's piled up on her head to make her look even taller. I was trying to read the look on her face. What I focused on was her mouth. It was clenched in a tight smile. The kind of smile you get when you're forcing yourself to smile. Go inside and sit down with your friends, she said. 
We're just waiting for two more.